Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What is going on, y'all? We are back. It is another edition of No Bets Barred, this time for UFC 279. Hamzat Shemaev taking on Nate Diaz. We're coming off UFC Paris, uh, which was uh, magnifique. Uh, Jed, how we doing, man? It, it was magnifique. I enjoyed every minute of it. You know, we haven't talked uh, since then. How was... Uh... How was your Parisian breakfast? You know, did were, were the did you do crepes? Because uh, I sure did crepes. I didn't do crepes, uh, just croissants, uh, and well, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. Well, nice buttery, flaky crust. It was it was great. Little pan du chocolat, you know, just just get get the chocolate croissant going on too. I didn't. It was it was plain. Oh, man, uh, threw were. an egg on there though. Uh, nothing too crazy, but uh, I lost my beret midweek too. I had a beret from when I went to Paris and. Was doing all that midsummer. I flipped my house inside out, turned it over like I'm rummaging through closets, like a cartoon character, throwing things out looking for this beret. Couldn't find it. Never found it. It's been hour and a half looking for it. It's it's gone. Wow, I am astonished then that the French fighters went five and zero. Oh if you weren't even repping the beret, <laughs> how about those French fighters, dude? I mean, I I fully transparent. Since I started on the show, I had my biggest week ever at UFC Paris. Love Paris as a city. Uh, have been studying French, and then the stars just align, and our French fighters just cash it out for us. I, I'm, I'm high I'm on France that. right now. I've already placed a World Cup future on the French national team. It's it's good times to be a uh, to be a Frenchman. I mean, it is excellent times. I uh, we didn't talk about it, but I. Um... You know, I write a gambling column, obviously, for MMAfighting.com. Great, great website. Call. Great website. Uh, and for my long shot of the week this week, I couldn't really find anything that I super liked at, like, really long odds. And so I said, F it. Let's, uh, let's just parlay up all the French fighters. Let's do it. Uh, I know we had talked about doing the French favorites parlay, but you add in for Ossiam there. That parlay got pretty juicy, plus, plus 787, something like that. I don't uh, doubt it. 
It was it, it was, was. kind of juicy just with the favorites. It was like plus two thirty nine with mean, just yeah, the favorites. Still had a little uh, a lot of meat on the bone, but you had Ferrasi Amin at a plus because he was a you know plus two hundred something underdog. Uh, so that was a beautiful way for for my UFC Paris experience to go. And like shockingly enough, if I'm not mistaken, the the only one that there was like serious concern around was Cyril Gan when he got dropped by Tuivasa. Oh yeah, I mean the Gan. Uh, I think that was the biggest concern. But um, I, I mean, some people thought Imovov, uh, especially that third round with Buckley, because Buckley started turning it on. I, I thought he clearly won the fight and won won the decision. But yeah, um, I mean, I guess also as I'm thinking back on it, William Gomi. Only yeah, that majority. was that was actually a little sketchy. So it was yeah. a, a little sweaty. I mean, there there were some moments there, I guess, where things could have gone very differently, but but they didn't, and they didn't. instead were that's, heroes. That's what it comes down to. They didn't go differently. When I lose, you don't hear me, you know, talking all that smack about uh, what could have been. And when I win, I'm not going to do the same thing. Uh, Nasruddin, he's a bad man, dude. He's he's like a to go toe to toe like that with Joaquin Buckley, he was eating some big shots. I was I was pretty impressed with Imovov because when we got to that fight, I was getting a little bit worried because I had him in a few parlays. I was like, man, he could really bust everything for me now. But he showed out, man. He was I, I was impressed by him. Oh yeah, man. I uh, I think a lot of this kid. Um, look at me sound like Dana White. Calling I know. Grown Listen to this, man. Yeah, you sound uh, like a coach, like a little league <laughs> baseball coach. You think a lot of this kid. I think a lot of this guy. Um, you know, he because uh, Buckley's a solid fighter. He's not a great fighter, but he's a, a very, very serviceable winner. And, and I think Imovov is going to now get a real opportunity moving forward because he's got something, especially. They're going back to like, let's be real. They're going back to Paris. After like, they're going to. After that crowd. Also, I don't know if you knew this. You probably did because you're a much more intelligent fan than I am. I had no idea about the whole banning thing, and that's why they had not been there. Like, I had no clue of that. That was a great graphic by the UFC. Shout out to their production team giving that whole explainer and timeline of, of how we ended up in France. But I had no clue. So I was like, oh, no wonder they've never been to France before. Yeah, no, I, I definitely knew that. And um, More intelligent honestly, fan. They, I mean, I think they they would have been here sooner, but the whole COVID thing, you know, derailed travel plans for a while. But yeah, they're uh, they're for this is going to be a yearly stop for them now. You know, the same way London is, they're they're going to be coming back to Paris w- once a year at the minimum. I, I have a serious desire to attend the next one, especially if Cyril Gon keeps winning. Uh, a couple Do other no bets barred roadshow, dude. Because I love Paris. One of my best like friends I, lives in Paris. Couple people, I feel like it's the hipster thing to be like, Paris sucks. It's it's this international city. It's not that great. I'm like, very dumb. you're tripping because I spent seven days there and I had an absolute blast. And I am like craving going back. Seeing the scenes from Saturday, I was like, wow, I really want to go back there. I started looking at flights. That's how like into it I was. I was like, these are more affordable than I remember. Rack up some Amex points and then just, you know. All right, let's, points let's just lock it in right here. Next UFC Paris, we're going. We're going to take no bets barred on the road. We'll go. I love it. I love it. I, I love it. A uh, couple other things. Heavyweight overs uh, seem pretty real to me. They are. They're the realest. I'm. I. Uh, I'm willing to just call it right now. Heavyweight overs don't lose because if they were ever going to lose, the fact that that fight got out of the second round, 
I mean, I thought that it was done. Was crazy. I thought it was done. I was watching. I was like, oh, well, the experiment has died. It's all over. And then Cyril Gaon got up. And then when he hurt, then when he hurt Tuivasa, I was like, oh, no, the experiment is still over. The experiment is still dead. And somehow it wasn't. So if those two men trying their damnedest to kill each other can't make that bet lose, nothing can. And and what what do you know? We have a heavyweight fight on this card, Connor. So shout out to Cyril Gaon for immediately getting up after getting his face blasted off of the canvas by Tai Tuivasa. I would still be in the hospital right now if I took that shot. An even bigger shout out to Tai Tuivasa. Oh, shout out to you for only being in the hospital. I'd be in the ground. Yeah. I mean, like, actually, so. I would. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a true point. I would be dead. I'd be deceased. We wouldn't be recording this right now. You'd be attending my funeral. Shout out to Tai Tuivasa. Uh, for just eating those gut shots. I, you know, subways can get crowded, very crowded on the subway uh, this week. And, you know, everyone was trying to like jam their way in and I kind of got shoved. Someone got shoved into me and like their backpack, like went into my gut and it like kind of knocked the wind out of me, gave me that just like kind of like gut hit. I was like, oh. And then I thought, I was like, wow, Taitui Vasa took that like a hundredfold just over and over and over from Cyril Ghan and just kept moving forward. I, I I cannot commend that dude enough. Like, that dude is a warrior. There is, I said it on our, our post show on MMAfighting.com, great website. Uh, it is incredibly impressive to recover from getting rocked. Like, shows you've got a lot of conditioning. You know, you've, you've been here before. you got a lot of toughness, a lot of grit. It's the hardest thing in the world to somehow just be okay with with getting rocked to the body so if you've ever taken a liver shot or just Uh. been hurt to the body you're just you don't recover like if you put me on skates you know and give me a minute i'll get my wits back about me and then we're okay but you just never get better from the body shot and somehow tuivasa just declared that he was okay it's like no never mind it's fine i'll just keep going dude's Tougher than a $2 steak. Nothing but respect for that man. I don't know if you saw his Instagrams. He went to Disneyland Paris after the fights, and he was battered, dude. Like, his, not just his body, his face was bad. Like, he, he really took a serious beating. I mean, for sure. He especially, I mean, early on, Gon was, was getting things going. But in that third round, Gon basically came out and was just obliterating him with the jab. Not like a, a poking jab. I mean, this was a piston in his face. So I am in no way surprised that the Tuivas is wearing it because uh, he, he took a huge beating in that fight. Last thing, probably going to be some people mad about this. Charles Jordan, round three. No. Get out of here. The amount of people that I woke up to on Saturday morning taking Charles Jordan, round three. We said it on No Bets Bard. I don't know why people were taking that. He has one round three finish in his... 10-fight UFC career. Not a thing. Shout out to my guy, Nathaniel Wood. Gets it done. Decision. I mean, I was I was hyped watching that. Going into round three, I was like, all right, let's see. Let's see if this mythical fighter everyone loves putting money on is uh, is a real thing. It was not. I mean, I, I have nothing else to say except for you said one last thing, but there's one more one last thing. Let's go. One last thing. How about them dogs, baby? Oh, my God. I was going to move on. I was going to segue from that. I mean, you talk about a beating. You talk about a beating, man. I mean, that one was... Oregon's wearing it worse than Ty right now. 
What what is it like on that being on Oregon and being like all working all offseason? You're getting the defending national champs uh, in Mercedes Benz Stadium in Atlanta to kick off the season. You got a new coach, just came from the school. You're all hype. You're going to do it. You're going to shock the world. You're going to pull off the upset. And then just to get just manhandled. Like you just got sunned. Like you're sitting there when it's when it's like 42 to 3 and you can't do anything and you're just like Wow, like we cannot compete on this level. Yeah, man. There was uh know a couple of people, you know, from uh from the Oregon area and one person who I will not uh will not name names, but reached out to me and was like, Man, Oregon used to be good. What the hell happened to us? And I was like, I don't think it's an issue of you guys being good or not. I think we're just those dudes. Like yeah. this is I mean also you do have Bo Nix as a quarterback. So that was, you know, I, I wouldn't have had a ton of faith <laughs> in old Bo Nix. But I do feel a little bad for him, thinking he's escaping the SEC beatdown, going to Oregon, and then first game of the season, two picks, just completed maybe four passes and just got harangued all day. Just an absolute demolition, pillar to post, and our guy. He wasn't my guy last year. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I wasn't... I, I liked Stetson. I liked the hat, uh, but I wasn't. I thought he was going to be the thing that brought us down ultimately. I still thought he was the right choice to be our QB because that man has no fear in him, and that's the kind of quarterback I want. I'm all in on the hat this year. Give me Stetson. Give me Stetson to win the Heisman. We talked about it you on Saturday. It? Oh, absolutely, baby. 18 to 1. Let's go. 18 to 1? I thought yes, it was sir. like plus 12,000. Oh, oh, the uh, the odds the odds moved. <laughs> the odds. Oh man, I, I, there's got to be someone out there with with a plus twelve thousand ticket because that is tasty. I mean, yeah, at that number, that's great. But the odds, uh, the odds came down, buddy, because because UJ's the real deal. That's it. Like we are our our cupcake our cupcake schedule is going to get us into the SEC championship. No issues. Maybe Florida will at least be a fun game this year, but we're going to run rough shot over our division. And then it's it's us versus Bama, and it's just like last year. We're going to get two cracks at Bama because Bama's damn good. I'm not here to talk oh, talk trash no on Bama, but we're going to play him in the SEC championship, and then we'll probably play him in the Natty again because I don't I have no fear of Ohio State. C.J. Stroud can get the hell out of here. <laughs> it's, it's all about that SEC baby and the Hat Man. Is going to move to two and zero in nat- national championship games, and he's going to get a Heisman. It's a you telling me that if we go undefeated, this man's not going to be brought up to the stage for the Heisman? I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I think it'll at least be in New York, which means they'll have to go on a covert mission, uh, undercover, and you know shake the hand of old Stetson B, who could go down as a legend for Georgia. Oh, he already is. He already the, is a legend, but, but the he legend can. Be Yes, can continue to grow. Shout out to Stetson B. Shout out to the dogs. They will keep it rolling. 12-0 is the expectation for this season. All right, let's get back into the UFC. UFC 279. Been waiting on this one for a minute. Been waiting on this one for a minute. So let's dive right in. It's the main event. Welterweight bout. Hamzat Borz Shemaev. 11-0. Going up against Nate Diaz. 21-13. Shmaev minus 
10.50. I think that's a, that line has moved since I wrote down the odds. I want to say he's now minus 1,200 as of now on DraftKings Sportsbook. No, he's 10.50 at, at DK. Back up to 10.50. Okay. It, it did move. It did move deeper towards him, but uh, came, some money came back in on Diaz, obviously, because we're at 10.50 still. Uh, over under set at one and a half, over minus 150, under plus win, 115. Um, yeah, man, I think Hamza Chemaev is going to beat Nate Diaz. Uh, bold, bold <laughs> statement. You're really going out on a limb here. Going out on a limb? Uh, I think he's going to finish him, dude. He's bigger, he's stronger, he's faster, he's 10 years younger, he's incredibly skilled, he has got wild finishing abilities. Uh, and I mean, Nate Diaz, legend to the game, dude. Last 10 years, 10 fights, four and six. He's 37 years old. He's looking for his way out of the UFC. Shemaev's got everything to fight for. Hasn't tasted gold yet. Wants to taste gold, needs to taste gold. Just have a hard time without injuries happening, seeing Nate Diaz getting his hand raised. Yeah, uh, he's not going to. But that being said, this is... This is an incredibly not interesting fight, right? Like, I think the 95 to 99% of the times this fight happens, the least interesting outcome happens. But because it's Nate Diaz, because your imagination can run wild with you, I have some interesting things. <laughs> I've got I've got some real, tell me. real long shot. Oh, please tell, please tell me. Please tell me. Um I have I have a lot of bets down. Most uh, two of these are just total absolute flyers, not putting anything even remotely resembling real money on, but just to live a little. Uh, you I also gotta live a little. You gotta live a little. I mean, I mean, we'll we'll start because I don't know how much or what action you have here. I, I do lot. have Chamayev in a parlay piece on this fight. Cool. Are, are are you with me in that, or is that number two yeah, high just, to parlay him? I'll just I'll just ruin it now. I snagged him when he was just a touch under a thousand on on DraftKings at minus nine fifty. Uh, I also have fight does not go as a parlay piece at minus five hundred. Uh, and then earlier this week on Fanduel, I snagged Shemayev KOTKO plus one fifteen. I mean, fair. I, I think all of those are absolutely reasonable. Um, is, is the KOTKO number still that way? Because that's I want to say it's down to minus one hundred five. Last I checked. Uh, Shmaev by KOTKO is minus 150 on DK, so. Yeah, Don't mind that a, little line movement right there. Uh, yeah, you should not. That's probably enough. I mean, honestly, I'm still probably just, that's going to be the outcome, so I still take it. But, I've, so I've got Shmaev straight in a parlay. I also, um, I'm taking the over, the over one and a half, minus 150. I can respect uh, that. I... Nate Diaz has only been finished three times in his career. One of them was against Masvidal relatively recently. That was a cut stoppage. The other, you know, Josh Thompson kicked him in the face, and he got tapped like a million years ago. I don't think, whatever your thoughts on Nate Diaz are, and I do think he's going to lose this fight pretty convincingly, shoe leather tough, man. Like, this dude just does not get out of there. I think if, I also don't know how Chamaya is going to approach this fight, right? Like, it, I think there's, I mean, obviously the smart thing is he just comes, tackles Nate to the ground, beats his face off, smash, you know, that that's what he can do. But we saw against Gilbert Burns, he wanted to come out and chuck mitts. I, I think he can do that against Nate Diaz and not really get into danger because he always has the back pocket of a takedown. 
And, but if he does that, I, I love Nate's chances to survive, you know, seven and a half minutes in that in that regard. So I got the over on Shemayev Diaz. I've got Shemayev straight. And then for funsies, I took took two little shots here. First shot I took, probably not going to cash, but I wanted to live. It's Nate Diaz by submission, buddy. I knew it. I knew it was coming. Plus I knew 1600. it was coming. I knew it was coming. I don't coming. think it's going to happen. I don't. Can you I imagine? Can you imagine the scenes? He's got it tight, and Shamayev taps. The world would implode on itself. I know, and it's it's never going to happen. And the number is high. It is not high enough, frankly, at plus sixteen hundred. But but dream with me. Just dream with me. <laughs> I'm that's dreaming. What this is that's what this is about. This is about. What if I was so we did a we did a round table earlier this week on MMAfighting.com great website. Great website. About what would be the most Nate Diaz thing to happen at UFC two seventy nine. And I mean the there were two real options I, I thought for it. The first is Nate comes and Connors him somehow. Like Jamaya is overconfident, Nate is just really durable and tires him Crazy. out and maybe maybe gets the sub in there. <laughs> So I'm going to take the shot at the plus 1600 just for funsies. You're talking to a man that love isn't even a strong enough word, adores, adores taking submission props that are never going to hit. I mean, you do love. I've made a career of taking losing submission props. So who am I to throw any shame here? I love it. Let's dream a little bit. Let's live a little bit. Let's dream a little bit. Let's live a little bit. And also, the other, I don't think this is going to happen either, but just in case, just just to cover my bases, because I, you know, the most Nate Diaz thing is perhaps that Nate pulls off a miracle submission uh, and, and gets the W in the most incredible way. The second most Nate Diaz thing to happen, and honestly, the thing that I have been preaching for months, month long before this fight even even got official. Just back when Nate was coming on the MMA Hour Great Program to say, "Great program, give me a fight. I just want to fight anybody so I can move on." The UFC was handing him fights he didn't want to accept, like Jemayev, because they're trying to send him out on a loss. And I've been saying for almost a year now, Nate should just accept any fight, any fight whatsoever that comes his way. Walk out as soon as the bell rings, just tap, just just tap, <laughs> tap immediately, submit. I lose. He has fulfilled his contractual obligation. He can fire up the two-finger salute to Dana White as he leaves the cage. It'd be the most Nate Diaz thing in the entire world for him to go out like that. Total boss move. Some fans may hate it. I would love it. And so, Honestly, yeah, I'd love it. Yeah, and so as a result of that, I decided I would take a little baby flyer on fight to be won between zero <laughs> of round one and fifty nine seconds of round yes. one. So what's the line? Uh, the line is plus a thousand, so it's not even wow, like a super juiced be, line. Yeah, I thought that was gonna be like plus three thousand or something. So did I when I was first conceptualizing it. I was like, all right, <laughs> give me this is gonna be a plus ten thousand or something. I'll take it just for the lols, and then. The price here, I shouldn't bet. Like I'm just being real. This is not a value bet. This is a negative, poor, stupid bet. I don't but care. just I in love case it, it happens, it. it would be the funniest bet I've ever cashed yes. in my life. Oh my god, it would be legendary. It would be unbelievable. Yeah. You'd have to frame the ticket next to a picture of him walking out of the octagon with both yeah. his middle fingers up. 
Dude, uh, that's a great idea. I'm going to do it for, I'm going to talk to our social team to just make sure they've got that ticket over, you know, right underneath Nate doing that for yes. for an IG post after it happens because unbelievable stuff. So, Oh, my God. I don't think either of those two flyer bets are going to cash. I think they are both probably not good value bets either <laughs> because the odds should be longer than they are. But I'm trying to dream, and I'm, I'm trying to have some fun, and I would have a ton of fun in this regard. So that that's where I'm at on this fight. As much as I have involved with uh, with Shemaev, which actually isn't like a ton, uh, fight doesn't go the distance, would also cash in both those situations. I would lose those bets with a smile on my face if either of those things happened. Like, I just like I would be dying laughing if like Diaz had it locked up. I'd be like, I cannot believe what I am watching right now. Like, this is unbelievable. Honestly, I believe. I guess the odds reflected too. I believe in him like coming out and being like, Nah, fuck the UFC. I'm out. And dipping. That one's really possible. Yeah, more than I do the submission one. The submission one, I would be, it would be Leon, like, actually times two. I would be that shocked. I mean, I would be, I'd be astonished. And that's why I almost instead took the KOTKO prop because the price is much higher at plus 2,500. Uh, but because the only way I can even really create the scenario is that Shemaev says, I am comfortable striking with you, gets a little out over his skis, Diaz maybe catches him with something, and then, but when Diaz does that, I mean, he finishes on the ground, and mostly he's going to finish with a submission there, so I I still just decided the sub is a, is a funnier bet, and it's because if you throw up the triangle and fire double birds at Dana White with a triangle on Maev, I might die of happiness, but... That's a that's Again. like a frame worthy. That's like a, a picture that's that would just go down in in history if that happened. Oh yeah, dude. If if Chimaev had any any sense of the moment or um, was just a good hang, he would just throw this fight to Nate Diaz just One. just for the greatness of it all. Uh, a one-armed rear naked while he's got the middle finger up to everyone and Shemayev stabbing would... would be un- unbelievable. I mean, no, it would actually be unbelievable. I wouldn't be able to believe what I was saying. <laughs> I, I genuinely do not believe that is a thing. Yes, I would like be slapping myself uh, to wake up if if that happened. From an actual analytical point, speaking on how Shemayev will handle this fight, uh, I think coming off of the Gilbert Burns fight into this one is like the perfect setup for him. Uh, I just think that his coaches said it to him between every round. What are you doing? Like you have a path to victory here. Like you are going into his game. You are handing this fight to him. I think he'll come out and, and do what he needs to do to win with the least resistance, in my opinion. Also, were you, was that, was that a Nesquik you were slugging? Yeah, baby. Shout out to Nesquik, the bunny, bro. I love it. Got a little, little chocolate milk for breakfast, you know, just uh, start, the, to start day the day off. Well, you know, chocolate milk is great recovery after you hit the gym. You know, you clang and bang a little chocolate <laughs> milk in you. That's what big milk tells you. Yeah, it's great. It feels great for you. Um, yeah, I I think I disagree. I think he's going to come out and try and strike for a little bit. I think at some point he will shoot the takedown, but I don't think this is going to be a Li Jing, uh, Jing Liang fight. Oh, no, I agree just, with you there. I think... I think that for as much as his coaches want to tell him stuff, my sense, and this is entirely projection, not like I know shit, 
my sense is that he is going to is that Chemayev believes he is invincible and he is going to do things that maybe not aren't smart or the or the best idea um because that's what he did against Gilbert Burns and even though they were telling him he's like I don't care because I don't I don't think he knows any limitations to himself and so I think there's a real chance he comes out and just is like because he has respect for Nate Diaz. He's talked about it. Like, yeah, this dude's a guy's been in the game for a really long time. He's a warrior, really tough to finish, et cetera. I think he's going to come out and chuck hands with him for a long time. And honestly, maybe he can just get the job done cleanly that way. Wouldn't be impossible, certainly. And I think maybe later in the fight, he'll start going for takedowns um, to, to get the finish. But, you know, uh, I, I, I like I said, I think this fight is going... I think this fight is probably going to make it to the third round, so I'm I'm on the over one and a half uh, as well. I I think it's just going to be fun. It's going to be fun at the end of the day. I uh, no matter what action you have down, it's you have to watch it. It's must see television. No matter how you think the fight is going to go, you have to have your eyes on it to to see what actually happens. I I don't know if I agree. Really. I you just, could you could have a good conscience knowing that it's on and just like watching the late night college football game. One hundred percent. If I what I I'd I'm, be antsy. I'd be anxious. I'd be I'm, like, turn the turn the fight on. I'm just so confident in how this fight goes. This fight doesn't mean anything to me other than it finally frees up Nate Diaz to pursue his other interests. So I'm happy in that regard. But oh, I have to see what happens in real yeah, time. I, I don't want to watch highlights. Um, I'm, I definitely don't want to watch highlights because they're probably going to be awful. So like, I'm, I'm just, this dream a little man, live a little. You're, you're taking the sub prop, dude. Come on. Well, I am, but that's more, I'm taking those props because those are the ways that I can make myself have hope in this fight because overwhelmingly this whole UFC 279, you know, they used to name fight cards uh, instead of just being like Chumayev Diaz. UFC 279 is UFC 279 snuff film. Like, we're watching wow. some of our fan favorite fighters just get publicly executed for no, honestly, no good reason. So, so this is a fight card I'm extremely not um, excited about because the top two fights, it's honestly better on paper than I thought after I gave it a deeper dive, but the top two fights are... They're, they're sadness bombs. You know, they are not going to make anybody happy. Uh, well, I don't think. All right. So come 1230, uh, you are cool with watching, you know, top 25 matchup, Baylor, BYU uh, on ESPN rather than pay-per-view. Oh, buddy, you're acting as if there's not other things going on this Saturday. I mean, no, let's be clear. Don't care at all about Baylor, <laughs> Baylor BYU. <laughs> but uh, Saturday evening... I'm actually not entirely sure I'm even working 279 because I think I might be for my fighting.com great website covering um, the the latest in influencer boxing. Oh, who's uh, fighting? The, Wasabi? Uh, what? Wasabi? Who's fighting? I don't know who Wasabi is. Um, <laughs> this guy says he knows influencer boxing, but he doesn't know oh, who I don't, Wasabi I don't, is. I don't know influencer boxing, but I think I'm just uh, being being roped into it. We've got Adrian Peterson, Le'Veon Bell, uh, Battle of the Running Backs. Um, there's some people fighting. Uh, Anton Ensign Gibb or whatever that dude's name is, I think. Um, 
that guy's fighting. There are some things that are happening Saturday that I think I'm supposed to cover, actually, for us. So, uh, you know, those are at least probably going to be somewhat competitive matchups. So I, I wouldn't hate watching those instead of the main event Saturday. I'm not saying that everyone needs to share my feelings. If if this gets you excited, hell yeah, enjoy. Oh, I'm pumped. But I, this main event and this co-main event... Um, are are needless and painful to me in a lot of ways. I will agree with you on the on the needless aspect. You mentioned the co-main. Let's dive right into it. Uh, you know, the, in classic no bets barred fashion, we spent the first half hour on the uh, on the main event. Now we're just gonna ram jam the rest of the card in real quick for y'all. Uh, I love it. It's easy. Li Jiangli, Jingliang Li. That's where we're going with minus three hundred five going up against Tony Ferguson plus two fifty five under set at two and a half under minus one twenty five over minus one hundred five. So uh, we've had a couple weeks to have these lines, and I parlayed uh, Jingliang Li and Jailton Almeida, but that was when Jailton was fighting Shamil. Uh, so now I am stuck with a uh, Jingliang Li. Single play at minus two forty, which I actually don't mind that line. Um, the line keeps moving the other way, so yeah, I'm cool okay. with it, and and I'm confident that that Jingliang Li is going to win. Uh, you know, Tony Ferguson four months ago had his consciousness separated from his body for the first time in his career, sent to the shadow realm, sent to the land of of wind and ghosts, and now he's back four months later. Up a weight class, first time he's fought there in a decade, fighting a full-body welterweight who just happened to be one of the you know biggest power punchers in the division. Uh, last four wins are by knockout, eight of his last ten by knockout. Have a hard time seeing this this going very well for Tony. Yeah, it, it's just not going to. I, I agree. Um, I've thought Tony Ferguson was washed for some time. He has shown some signs of life. He's 38 years old, man. He's 38. 38 years old. He's moving to a new weight class because he can't stay at lightweight anymore because they keep making him fight great dudes in that division. He doesn't want to be whatever, for whatever reason, and try and make one last push at a different weight class. If he had done this a few years ago, I'd have had a lot more hope for him. But it's just not the way it is. He's 38 years old. I mean, uh, the leech is, is not a young man either, but he has looked a lot younger recently. He's had good performances recently. I also have a huge amount of questions about the... I think Tony Ferguson's style was not meant to age particularly well in general just because he's a slow starter. He's not, like, the best defensively. He isn't a huge finisher. I mean, he can finish, but it's not... He's not like a one-hitter quitter where he can change fights on a dime. He is going to take over as the fight goes on, increase volume. And that, to me, that style ages pretty poorly as your durability drops off. If you're a slow starter and you don't have a lights-out button in your own back pocket, you're going to have to survive seven minutes before you can really get going. That That's tougher the older you get. You're also talking about a dude tough as nails in Jingliang Li, never been knocked out in his yep. whole career. Incredibly, incredibly durable. And also just the entire, Tony's entire career to me, I know that I'm sounding like a hater and that's okay because I've been on the corner for a while. I thought that a lot of it was smoke and mirrors. 
Um, I thought he was a very good fighter, but that 12 fight run, well, I think it was 12. Um, I mean, it's great. It's 12 fight run. You cannot ever knock anyone for winning 12 in a row inside the UFC. But I thought that a lot of it looked a lot better than it was in reality. And I just have an infinite number of questions about him. The way Tony trains has never been good. He's been bouncing around camps trying to find something. He has all the makings of a dude who is done but doesn't know he's done yet and can't can't accept it. And so I'm with you. I, I've got Lee in a parlay. Minus 300 is the price I got him for the parlay. I think if you wanted to take uh, Lee Jung Ling by... I'm sure I butchered that name, by the way, so my, my bad. Not not a strong suit of mine. We've talked about it many times. You, if you've got him by KO at plus one, 110, I don't think that's a bad bet at all. Yeah, I can't really disagree with you there. Uh, due to my exposure on him already, though, I, uh, I'm i going to hold off on, on adding anything like that. Plus, I mean, technically before uh, the Michael Chandler fight, Tony had pretty good durability, so may, maybe he comes back, but I, I certainly can't trust betting on it. Yeah, can't. That, and that's why I'm not on it is because maybe Tony is maybe moving up to welterweight adds a little bit of durability, but just no. Also, just very briefly, the the social gloves thing, not only is there Adrian Peterson versus Le'Veon Bell, Swaggy P, Nick Young versus Blueface, so... I mean, the stars are out in wherever the hell this is taking place. California? I, I'm not sure. But, you know, if you want to watch that instead of watching Nate Diaz, Hamzat Shemaev. I don't. You know, uh, I don't mind it. I'm okay yeah, with that choice I, being made. I, I actually do mind it. I, uh, I'll harshly <laughs> judge anyone that does that. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder, wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Uh, all right, let's keep it moving. Main card, next up, catchweight bout, one, 180 pounds. We've got Kevin Holland at minus 195, taking on Daniel Rodriguez, the return of D-Rod at plus 165, over under set at 2.5, under minus 120, over Minus one ten, uh, banger! Can't wait for this one. Best fight on the card. Yeah, Sorry, like the, I was yawning. Best no, fight no, on the card. No, we got to get a little caffeine in that that Chaco milk for you. Uh, I was pretty excited for this. Then I started watching a little bit of the tape. I uh, I'm very excited for this fight. It's it's going yeah. to be fireworks. I I can't wait for it. Uh, so 
whenever there's a pay-per-view card, I'm really watching the odds dropping heavy. And and I took Kevin Holland right off rip. Uh, I saw him at minus 150. I was like, yes, love that. Taking it. D-Rod's been out for a year. You know, Kevin's probably the better play here. Uh, I Post bet, I don't even know why I did this. Honestly, I can't get rid of the bet now anyway. Post bet, I, I was going back and watching, <laughs> <laughs> watching some tape. Uh, do, I loved it when I placed it. Definitely don't love it now, uh, oh, especially looking at <laughs> especially looking at some of the stats. I'm like, eh, maybe I shouldn't have just ripped the trigger so quickly on this one. <laughs> uh, the line has actually moved in my favor, uh, but this is one that if I lose, I'm not going to be shocked. Like D Rod has sick boxing. Uh, he's durable. Um, the the reach advantage is is huge for Kevin Holland, but. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a great fight, dude. Great fighters going up against each other. It's it's going to be fireworks if it's it's going to be a close fight. Uh, but yeah, I'm riding with my guy, Kevin Hall. I love that breakdown because I'm on D-Rod. <laughs> All uh, right, sweet, sweet, sweet. Yeah, I... Uh... I did not have whatever vision you had on on Kevin Holland. I am surprised <laughs> that the line is moving towards him. Dude, sometimes I get these notifications of lines dropping and I like get a little too a little too like uh you know, I'm just like oh, I got to play, got to play it. I uh, got to beat the line. Uh yeah, which I did. I don't I'm not in love with Kevin Holland minus 150. I really am not in love with Kevin Holland at minus 195. Yeah. That's a it's a real tough hang. I I've got Daniel Rodriguez at plus 165, and I love that number. Um, I I think that a lot of that line movement has to be, the only way that it makes sense to me is that line, is just because people know who Kevin Holland is, right? And Daniel Rodriguez has been out for a year. Even, even when he was in, he's not a guy who makes a lot of waves. He just goes in and, and puts in good work. But, I mean, Daniel Rodriguez is just a, a damn fine fighter, man. Like, he is... His boxing is elite. Like, it is so very, very good. And he should be undefeated in the UFC, right? Like, I mean, he should arguably be undefeated in his career. He lost to Splitty in, uh, in the regional scene. And he lost to Nicholas Dalby. I thought he won the Nicholas Dalby fight. And maybe if he is undefeated, he's got a little more cachet to him. But this dude's just, yes, Kevin Holland has the reach. Kevin Holland is a solid enough striker, but he's not like the most fundamentally sound boxer in the world or really just fighter in the world. Uh, and I think Daniel Rodriguez can box him up on the feet. I don't think there's a lot of grappling that takes place in this fight. Uh, I think it's going to be a really fun fight. It's probably that both guys are going to have moments, but I just, I love Daniel Rodriguez as a fighter. Um, and I, I think this is a great, great fight for him. So, I love him at plus 165. I also, both men are super damn tough, super durable. I also have a bet on the over, two and a half, minus 115. D-Rod's never been finished in his career. Kevin Holland uh, has been submitted a couple times, but he's he's Kevin Holland. You know, this dude went 15 minutes with Tiago Santos when Tiago Santos was... Tiago Santos. Dope. Yeah, when Tiago before Tiago Santos turned into a boring lame fighter, he went 15 minutes with him. You know, he went uh, 25 minutes with Derek Brunson and Marvin Vittori. I mean, this guy is he is incredibly durable. So for sure, I, I've got the over over two and a half at minus 115 here. I don't mind that play, and I, I don't mind your dog play either. But I will be backing uh, you know the crime fighting kevin holland on saturday night and what should be one of the best fights on the card top three are are very interesting to see so i'm looking forward to them uh 
let's let's keep it going on the on the main card. Maybe not as interesting as as Kevin Holland, Daniel Rodriguez. It's a women's bantamweight bout. It's Irene Aldana going up against Macy Shazon. You can get Aldana at minus one seventy. Shazon coming back at plus one forty five. Fight goes minus one eighty. Fight does not plus one fifty. I'm riding with Aldana. I'm just keeping the chalk train going over here. Uh, I just think she's got the boxing advantage. I think she's got the power advantage. I know she's a smaller fighter, but I don't really rate Macy Chazon uh, that highly. I think her path to victory is getting into the mat, but I think Aldana's got decent takedown defense. Other than that home fight, she's really had excellent takedown defense, uh, has pretty consistently stuffed almost every takedown that's been shot at her, and I, f- I think this just stays at range. Uh, I think she's just going to outbox her, land the bigger shots throughout the 15 minutes, and, and maybe even knock her out. I mean, she she actually has... Uh, potential to knock people out at, at 135. Yeah, I uh, I don't have any play here. I have one that I'm looking at, and I would love your thoughts on it. Please tell me. Though, based on what you're saying, I think maybe you would counsel me not to. Uh, the over as well. I'm, I'm just stealing your bit on overs and unders lately. Overs are great, uh, Yeah, over two and a half is minus 195. It, it's a bit of a number, but... Aldana's cashed in eight of her 10 UFC fights. She's, I mean, she has put together some finishes in recent run, but not a ton. And Jason's pretty durable. You know, pretty tough, pretty tough out. Uh, so I'm looking at that. I don't feel, honestly, I don't feel confident enough either way to bet either woman here. Uh, I think Aldana should win, but she has never entirely impressed me. And Chason is the op- Chason is somebody who I've thought has the bones to be good, but hasn't quite found her game yet. And maybe she won't ever find it because she is, you know, aging a, a bit. But this is the exact sort of fight that I I could see Chason finally putting it all together and Aldana being in trouble. So I, I'm away from this fight entirely, but I am still kind of considering that over two and a half bet. Look at this, a, a smarter man than me, uh, not forcing a bet. On the uh, main card action here, I got to bet on every every fight on the main card. So oh, I respect uh, you know, that. Doing it right for the for the pay per view. Doing uh, for the people. Yeah, that's pretty much it on that one. Let's keep it rolling. Last fight on the main card. It is a light heavyweight bout. It is Johnny Walker coming in at plus one seventy, getting dog money on Johnny Walker going up against Ion Kutalaba minus two hundred for Kutalaba over under set at one and a half uh, minus one fifty for the under over at one and a half at plus one twenty. Uh, yeah, I got some violent, violence props in play uh, on this one. It's I think it's just going to be a, a pretty hectic, crazy fight. 25 fights apiece for both these dudes. Combined of the 50, 43 have not gone to a decision. Walker, six of his last eight have been finished in the first round. Kutalaba, six of his last nine have been finished in the first round. Win or lose, these guys typically don't go to a decision. yes. The answer is yes to your question of am I still haunted by the Tiago Santos-Johnny Walker five-round staring contest? Uh, do I think that's going to happen here? No. I think Santos and Walker have that sort of you know gun-shy capabilities about them. I think Kutalab is going to come here and force Johnny Walker to engage in a fight. And in that circumstances... Johnny Walker still has power. Johnny Walker still has finishing capabilities. I think Kutalapa does as well. Plus, Johnny Walker, not the best chin uh, in the UFC. So I I do think that this fight goes short. I, I used fight doesn't go as a parlay piece, and I am on the under one and a half. Oh, ooh, I love it. I love everything about this. Because 
I'm on the exact opposite side. Let's go. Mike goes the distance? No, 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 not oh, Mike okay. I was distance. I want to be as we were, you were just just giving me credit and props for being a smarter man than you for not betting on Chiefs and Aldana. Don't need to. I decided to not be smart for this particular fight because this isn't based on logic or sense or reason because I cannot argue with a single thing you said. I fundamentally agree <laughs> with every aspect of it. But tell me. I'm on the over one and a half at plus 120 for one very, very specific reason. And it is, it, it's the thing that haunts you. It is that since moving to SBG Ireland, Johnny Walker has been an incredibly boring individual. He is no longer fun Johnny Walker the fighter. He just kind of sucks ass now. And <laughs> we saw that in the five-round tap fest with Tiago Santos. Jamal Hill, he was trying his best to not be fun. And then Jamal Hill, Jamal Hill made Tiago Santos fun again. Jamal Hill can make anyone fun because that's just who he is. I will in no way be surprised if Yon Kutalaba walks forward and makes this a dogfight really fun, really fast, just the way you've said. But he is also, you know, he, he's gone to decision two of his last three fights. He's... I think there is absolutely a world where he does push the pace, but I can see this fight just being awful because Johnny Walker doesn't want to be fun anymore. And so, since it's only one and a half, if it was two and a half, there's not a world in which I'd touch the over here. Only one and a half, I'm taking a shot. Pure gut instinct, shooting from the hip here. No logic reason. Obviously a bad bet. But I, I think it's going to happen. Something's just telling me, and so I'm going with you my gut. Trust, you have to trust the gut. Uh, from, your stand up, uh, from your standpoint, it is either going to be a bet where you're like, this was oh, so lose, easy. It's going to lose early. <laughs> I was going to say, it's either going to be like, wow, this was so easy. They literally just stared at each other, or Kutalaba just got on top and was just like controlling or something like that. Yeah, or it's just going to be like just – PTSD type scenes of like, oh my God, what is happening right now? Just chaos and it's going to end fast. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, uh, so that's the other part that I, I think was not mentioned enough. Kutalaba loves, loves old wrestling. Like if he just wants to stand up and chuck hands, Johnny Walker don't have a great chin, the bet will die quickly. Kutalaba shoots a lot of takedowns, gets a lot of takedowns, spends time on top. If he just tackles Johnny Walker to the ground, could eat that whole roundup without a finish quite easily, I'd see. And then I just got to make it two and a half more minutes in round two. So plus money, I took the shot. And I don't regret it. I have no regrets. I love it. I love it. I, I mean, it, it makes for good banter when we're, when we're on the opposite side. Oh, think. yeah. That is your main card for UFC 279. Let's dive into a couple of these prelims. It is a men's featherweight bout. Hakeem Dawadu going up against Julian Arosa. Right now you can get Dawadu. Four minus two as I scroll to find it. I don't know why I didn't put it in my notes. He's minus 215. Minus 215 plus 185. I swear that was the last fight I looked at uh, as we were going there. The over under is set at two and a half. Over minus 160. Under plus 130. (sighs) You want anything here? I'm not, though. I'm I'm open to you selling me on Hakeem Dawadu. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, I'm I want. Not, 
I don't have a bet, but if you make a compelling case, if I was betting someone, it would be Dowdu. And if you can make a compelling case, I'm I'm open uh, to it. The case isn't that compelling. Uh, I like Hakeem Dowdu. I really love watching him fight. And I mean, this week I just I love chalk. I mean, I normally I normally love chalk, but it's you, you do love chalk. It's especially strong this week. So yeah, I, I played Dowdu. Um, got him at minus one ninety. I know Arosa is taller, but just Dawadu is just such like a technical, like he just is such a great striker. Uh, getting to watch him, the Trezano fight, uh, he looked fantastic across the 15 minutes. Second best striking differential in featherweight history, 2.67, behind only Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. I know that's just a stat, but uh, I do like what he's got there. He doesn't have a ton of power, but Arosa doesn't have that great of a chin either. Four of his five UFC losses coming by knockout. Um, but I think the likely outcome is Dawadu just strikes him to death over the 15 minutes, outpoints him and gets a unanimous decision, 29-28, 30-27, something like that. One thing I do I do have concern that could probably keep you off here is uh, Arosa taking, taking it to the ground. I mean, we saw Dawadu struggle against Evlov uh, in that department. Obviously, Evlov, a different level uh, of grappler and wrestler. But yeah, there's always that case with Arosa. You know, maybe throw something up, get that doing something sketchy. Uh, but yeah, I'm just rocking with my guy meeting game. Oh, I figured out. I figured it out. I figured out why you made this bet. Actually, as I'm looking looking over things again, it's it's because Julian Arosa uh, beat Charles Dordain in the third round, and so <laughs> so you're just salty that he's that third round Jordan, uh is not a thing. And you can't. I know the fans are all about third round Charles Jordan. You are all about third round Charles Jordan. And and obviously Rosa was like, that's not a real thing. And so you're just mad. That's it. That's the bet. Um, you caught me. I respect it. You caught me. Actually, I wish I I wish I had put two and two together earlier, and I had just bet Rosa because he ended the third round Jordan shtick. I don't know why that thing bothers me so much. I think it's just like the sheer popularity of it. Like everyone, like I'm just scrolling Twitter, dude. I'm scrolling Twitter on on. Saturday morning, and everyone's just like, and I mean, of course, like had to put the sprinkle on third round Jordan. Like you know, it's it's got a shot of happening. And I'm just looking at his UFC record. Got I'm a like, shot. I'm like, he's been finished as many times as he has finished someone in round three. Like, where are these statistics coming from? Like, please, someone tell me. Uh, wow, I'm gonna have to buy out of my Dawadu and just bet on Rosa. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, you can now because the line has already moved uh, more towards Dawadu. You know what? I I'm am... just gonna let Rosa be my hero. He either he he's either you know wins, and I should have never doubted the man that ended round three, Jordan, or he gives me a loss here and I cash a bet, and he also is the guy that ended round three, Jordan, and he's just a hero in my eyes. Yeah, I, I see. Look, it's a win-win bet. Those God, are the types of bets there. I try to make. Great exactly call. like in the main event. If Nate Diaz blows up everything else I'm doing, because then he's a hero and I'm okay with the loss. You know, it's it's a win-win. That's how you want to be betting. You didn't sell me. I'm not going to be taking uh, Dowdu, though I do think Dowdu is going to win. But at this price, maybe he gets tackled. I, I agree. Arosa's not not nearly the same as as Evlov, but he's not a bad grappler. You know, things could happen. I already have plenty of action. I don't need to find any more. So nothing yeah. on this one for me. Yeah, I have I have a, an insane amount of action. And a lot of it, it shocks my ROI. It's not going to be looking too great if I lose a few of these. Uh, all right. 
this might be my favorite fight on the card. It's definitely my favorite, second favorite fighter uh, on the card. It's another catchweight bout. Uh, Typology has this listed as couchweight. I haven't seen any reports of that, but I'm going to trust the boys over at the T. Catchweight bout of 220. Jelton Almeida going up against Anton Turkalj. Uh, Almeida, a huge favorite. You can get him right now. Four minus 660. Turkalj coming back at plus 490. Um, yeah, I'm... I'm Decently exposed on this fight. I got Jailton in a parlay, minus 660. That's with Hamzat. Fight doesn't go, minus 435 in a parlay with uh, with the Walker and Hamzat not going the distance. Uh, and then I grabbed it at even money uh, on Sunday evening, under one and a half. I mean, in the 26 combined fights of these guys, they've gone under the one and a half 24 times. Uh, that's 92% of the time for those doing the math at the home. No need to grab your calculator. I got you. Jelton is just a freak. He's a giant of a man. Insane submission skills. Anton's 8-0. He did have the unrelenting wrestling on the on the contender series. I think he got like 11 takedowns, but just think this is a different kind of beast he's trying to take on there. Short notice, too. I agree. I have two bets on this car on this fight. Um, one of them is an obviously smart and good genius bet. The other one is, I mean, I know that this is a catch weight because that is what Tapology is saying. That's what Wikipedia is saying. I'm unclear why there's such a thing as a 220 pound catch weight fight because that's just a heavyweight fight is all that is. And because this is a heavyweight fight, even though it's not. Oh. It still feels like maybe it is a heavyweight. I couldn't tell. I couldn't decide if it was heavyweight or not. So I'm viewing this as a no-lose situation because I've taken the over one and a half at plus 140 on this oh, fight. And That's going to be sweaty. I'm going to be honest with you guys, with you dear listeners, best friends listeners. If this cashes, this fight is a heavyweight yes. fight. Oh yeah. If it doesn't cash... This fight is a 220 catchweight fight. It's not that. a heavyweight fight. I so love that. It's a, if again, this, a no if this lose over, bet. If the over one and a half cashes for you, the, the science experiment is over. It's as sure as the flyweight unders. 24 of the yeah. 26 fights these guys have fought in, the under one and a half hit. Yeah. I, I, that's why I said it's it's not a fight based on the math, except especially because this isn't a heavyweight fight. It is a catchweight fight. But since it feels spiritually like a heavyweight fight, I just had to. I had to take the shot. So that's what we've done. And then the much more reasonable bet, I do have Jelton Almeida in a parlay piece. Um, it's a four-leg parlay with Chemayev, uh, Lee, Almeida. I've got a fourth leg. We'll talk about the last leg in just a second, though. All right. Sweet. We're both on Jelton there. Let's keep it rolling. Prelims, a real heavyweight bout. It's Jake Collier taking on... Chris Barnett. Right now, you can have Jake Collier for minus 410. Chris Barnett plus 330. Uh, over under. Heavyweight bout. Set at two and a half. Minus 115 each way. Um, before we get into the over under, I do have Jake Collier as a parlay piece. This is just math for you, just like the Magomed stat last week. Made it look easy. Great stat. Here's one for you. Uh, it's been making its rounds on the internet. You may have already seen it. I, I know a lot of people have since Jake Collier entered the UFC in 2014. 11 fights, 5 wins, 6 losses. He's gone loss, win, loss, win, loss, win. The entire time, dudes lighting up the stats like a Christmas tree. Red, green, red, green. 
red, green, the entire way. Pessimists of this world say Jake Collier has never won back-to-back fights in the UFC. Uh, The good news is I'm not a pessimist. I am an optimist. I am a half glass full. And what I see is Jake Collier has never lost (laughs) back-to-back fights. Never lost two in a row, man. The dude, I feel bad for the sparring partners because what is Jake Collier doing? He's coming off a loss. I would not want to be in that gym when Jake Collier coming off a loss walks into that place. I bet it is hell. I bet it's hell for those sparring partners, for everyone that's got to train with him. Um, Yeah, never lost back-to-back fights coming off a loss. Simple math, people. Parlay piece, Jake Collier uh, had to do it. I'm a Collier campaigner. That's what I'm calling myself this week. I am for Jake Collier, uh, and I think he gets it done. Size advantage. I think he's got a skill advantage, and uh, I think he gets his hand raised. I love this week because we have so much dissension just – everywhere uh and we we are dissenting on this one as well my, my man you're going chris barnett sure am um for a few reasons first let's just get the the needed the needed thing out of the way i'm taking the over two and a half i, I mean, that's, minus that was one, obvious i knew you were taking yeah, minus 110 all the reasons we've talked about it's a heavyweight over collier has cashed it eight of his 10 ufc fights Chris Barnett, we're not going to talk about Chris Barnett and overs. Sure, that's not a thing that he mostly does, but that's fine. Jake Collier doing it. Let me talk to you about about this fight. Some people might look at my bets and say, so you're taking the over, two and a half, and you're also betting Chris Barnett at value because plus 330 is a big price for a guy who I think is a little bit more athletic, I won't say is the greatest fighter, but incredibly experienced, fought a lot of dudes. Jake Collier lost Andre Arlovsky. Like, not oh, like, not like lost Andre Arlovsky. think he won. I mean, I'm just, the math, you can talk about the math. I'm just looking at the hard data, which is that's an L in the column. And also, let's be clear, Andre Arlovsky in the year of our Lord 2022, you shouldn't be losing splitties. You shouldn't be going to splitties with the man. Four, five, you should be streak. winning him. I know. I love Six Andre Lasky more than most. I love him more than most people. But we can all be realistic and honest about what <laughs> what he is at this moment in time as a fighter. Listen, so, there's a world out there where Jake Collier, who Carlos Felipe and Andre Arlovsky split decision losses. There's a world where Jake Collier is 4-1 and one in the heavyweight division and his only loss is to future champion Tom Aspinall. We don't live I mean, in that world, but there's a world out there. World. <laughs> there, is, there is a universe where I'm just saying uh, that Jake Collier is, what, what's his price? My, mine is 410. A man who just lost Andre Olavsky like a couple of months ago shouldn't be a minus 400 Four favorite over anybody. Six of his last seven. You're acting like Andre Olavsky's fallen off the face of the earth. Andre Olavsky has, he just continues to win by magic and heroism. But if you are a good fighter, you Which should... Which Chris Barnett you is should, not. You, but if you're, what I'm saying is if you're a good fighter, you should beat him. And so by not beating him, we've established that Jake Collier is not a good fighter. And so no not good fighter should be a minus 400 favorite. Wow. It really, is too really underestimating my guy JC here. Also, you're calling him JC, and I believe that we should recognize the names people want to be called by themselves. The prototype. 
I cannot what he in is. good conscience support Jake Collier because do you know what Jake Collier's actual name is? Oh, wow. His his first name is Rodney. And I don't oh, the that's man sick. The that's man a who sick chooses name. I know the man who chooses to go by Jake instead of Rodney, that's a suspect individual as far as I'm concerned. I wouldn't trust that man with five dollars, much less with a minus four ten. Because his decision making is obviously poor. Because if I was named Rodney, I would be Rodney. I wouldn't be Jake. That's the most nonsense thing I've ever heard. So. Well, this, this has become personal. As a as a Collier campaigner, <laughs> I, I feel victimized in this situation. I mean, you're coming straight from the neck of I, old RC. I mean, I'm going to have to stock up on some I, RC Cola for old Rodney Collier. If he was RC, I would be all in. Rodney Collier is a great name. Jake Collier? Forgettable, just an incredibly forgettable name because he's an incredibly forgettable fighter. I mean, Chris Barnett, rightly or wrongly, Chris Barnett is not a forgettable fighter. This man is. Oh, no doubt. I love Chris Barnett. At one point, he fought out of Athens, Georgia. So, how can I not support the guy? I think he still does. (laughs) We're we're shitting on Jake Collier for going to to a splitty with Andre Arlovsky, UFC legend. Dude, like two years ago Chris uh Chris Barnett went to a split decision with Rashawn Jackson 5 and 6 action Rashawn Jackson yeah but he but he got the dub and that's Dude. all that matters baby wow uh, we also, are moving goalposts also you you just you said what was going to be the capper for me for you this is a guy who fought at Athens Georgia yeah i know i mean it's the 2022 is the year of the dog i mean we've got we got the national champion Georgia Bulldogs our boy, Matt Stafford, NFL Super Bowl champion. And you're going to bet against Chris Barnett from Listen, you know, formerly of Athens, Georgia? Yeah, formerly. His typology says he fights out of Tampa. I guess he had to get out of Dodge because he you know, couldn't handle the heat in the kitchen or something. I don't know what was going on there. Wow. So this is this has not just become a, a financial battle. This is a personal battle here. Jake Collier oh, yeah. versus Chris Barnett. Oh, yeah. This is – I'm all in riding I'm nervous Barnett you're a Collier campaigner. Now. I'm a Barnett bandwagon. Like, that's where I'm at. Give me Chris Barnett. Give me Be- Beast Boy bandwagon, Huggy Bear band, whatever you want to call it. That's the bandwagon we're on. I'm taking him at plus 330. Listeners, I'm- choose your side on this one. Call yeah. your campaigner, Barnett bandwagoner. This is like if you're in Alabama and, you know, you get a new neighbor and, and they, you go over and you say, who you for? That's what they say. And the question is Alabama or Auburn, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, who are you for? These rivalries, Packers, Bears, who are you for? For no bets barred, who are you for? Are you a Call Collier campaigner or are you a Barnett bandwagoner? <laughs> and we need to know before we before we continue any sort of relations. Uh, That's right. because this is this is tested now. This is I'm going to be nervous. I'm going to be on eggshells for this one to see if my guy RC can pull this off. I'm going to shotgun an RC Cola right before the fight starts just to give Rodney some power. Oh, I love. See, you're you can't call him Rodney. He's choosing not to be Rodney though. He's Jake. He's Jacob. Like what a Jacob. Come on, be Rodney. Rodney is a name. I'll speak for all Jakes out there. I hope there are some listening. Not every Jake is a Jacob. I mean, I guess that's uh, that's fair. He is a, he is officially Rodney Jacob Collier. Oh, he's just by. Rodney for me. He's I mean, Rodney. He he's be. RC. He's he's whatever you want to be. I mean, Rodney's a great name. That's, I know, right? When I that's when a fat I found that out, name. I was like, 
It's the best name. It's like, why are you not Rodney? Rodney's the optimal name. That's so, a fat heavyweight name. We've spent far too much time on this not very good fight. I don't think we've spent enough. Uh, but <laughs> alas, we'll continue. Uh, it's a women's featherweight bout. Norma Dumont going up against Danielle Wolf. Uh, Norma Dumont, the same price as Jay Collier, minus 410. Danielle Wolf, plus 330. Uh, yeah. Um, Norma Dumont, a minus 410. Has to be as similarly shocking as Jay Collier as a minus 410. Oh, I couldn't disagree more. <laughs> well, the good news is we're actually on the same side because I parlayed up Norman Dumont at minus 330 uh, because I watched Danielle Wolf's Contender Series fight. And uh, anyone with any sort of MMA chops, which I believe Norman Dumont does have some, should be able to handle Danielle Wolf. Uh, she got leg kicked and had no idea what to do with herself. Um, I get she has the boxing resume. 27-14. I don't know if it's the rules, so like I'm not that familiar. I don't know if it's the rules, but zero knockouts in thir- in 41 boxing fights? I mean, I, it wouldn't be the rules. It's Yeah, just like I don't know. Less no knockouts? A, was she doing four-rounders? I didn't look at her boxing resume at all. If she was just like a four-rounder like fighter, yeah, that wouldn't at all yeah, surprise can't me. Yeah, get it going. it didn't get a knockout either. She actually like... That contender series fight, like she was like getting outstruck, like for real. I want to say the stats on it was like she got like almost like close to doubled up on the on the significant strikes. I don't know. She's thirty eight. Yeah, I don't have like a ton of like I don't really have any confidence in her. I think Norma Dumont needs to just come in, dump her on the ground, and and finish her. I mean, that's exactly correct. That's why, like, when you say this is. This is the exact thing I'm talking about for the previous fight where she should be, Norma Dumont should be a minus 410 favorite. She's, she is not the best fighter that's ever existed, but she is a real legitimate MMA fighter. She is big. She is a BJJ Brown belt. You know, she can do some things. She has a win over Felicia Spencer, who is actually a good fighter. Now, granted, maybe she shouldn't have got it, but the fact that she fought Felicia Spencer to a split decision is far more accomplished than Daniel Wolf, who wasn't even a great boxer, doesn't appear to be a great MMA fighter, is 38 years old, and I don't like I don't know what she does well. Because like you said, she's nominally supposed to be a good striker. She wasn't even that good at that in the contender series. Like I don't at all. I don't she's also see th- it. she's twenty-seven and fourteen in a weight class that isn't very populated. Yeah, like she's I, she's the golden glove champ. Everything, everyone giving her those credit there, but she was never able to join the Olympics because her weight class was not in the Olympics. And then in 2020, when they finally added it, she got cut during the trials. Yeah, I, I just don't, I don't see it is the answer here. And so, like, if you're, if for me, the clearest argument I can make for the Chris Barnett fight is the odds are the same for Barnett and for Wolf. And one of those people has a way better chance of winning that fight. I actually, I'll agree with that. Being on the giant chalk square plays that I am on, I will agree that Chris Barnett has a, in my opinion, has a better chance of winning than Daniel Wolf does. Yeah. So um, she is Norma Dumont minus 410 is the last piece of a four leg parlay. Because, I mean, we say it every week four leg parlays have never not hit. I mean, they can't miss. 
I spent weeks on end racking my brain to remember a time where a four-leg parlay lost, and I've yet to come up with one. I know. Every week when I have a three-leg parlay, I'm like, I got to find a fourth because once you have the fourth, it can't fail. And it was pretty easy because I just took the chalkiest chalk that can be chalked uh, with Shemaev at minus 1050, Dumont at minus 410, <laughs> Almeida minus 660. Oh, God, but, you're, you're speaking sweet nothings to me right now. I mean, I am – find the guy that likes chalk more than me. You're going to have a hard time. I know. And you put all that chalk into a pot and you, you cook up a stew and, and it cashes out at plus 109, baby. So <laughs> just all those, all those very chalky numbers coalesce into a, a pretty tasty line. Yeah, I like it. Four leg parlay minus 109. That's just sharp shit right there. That's, Come I on. Know, it's never missed. It's, it's sharp plus shit. Plus money, baby. What could go wrong? <laughs> it's MMA. Freak things never happen. Come on. Never happen. These are easy rolling. All right. Norman Dumont is the pick for us. Uh, last thing we're going to get into it's a men's bantamweight bat bout chad and hellinger going up against highly alatang uh fight goes the distance minus 163 fight does not go plus 120 right now you can get alatang for minus 170 and hellinger plus 145 um again i took a lot of these lines last week i know people get annoyed when uh you know the line is is has moved or whatever i took alatang minus 142 Think it's going to be a good fight. Think it's going to be exciting on the feet. Both these dudes, they've they've got pretty good power for the bantamweight division. Uh, both coming off a of knockout wins. Um, on the feet, I think it is a pretty close fight. I know Ann Hellinger is on a ten fight win streak. I'm not overly impressed with the resume of the ten fight win streak. You know, a lot of guys that were close to 500 not in the UFC. Oh, the, the disrespect to Rise FC, just. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, a couple 500 fighters, uh, you know, and then he gets to the UFC and he fights Jesse Strader, who is uh, not by any means a world beater. And Strader was was giving him everything he could take for those first two rounds. A couple of the scorecards were 19-19. One of them was 2018 Strader, and then he finds the knockout. Uh, I think Alatang can hang with him on the feet, but I really do think he's got a grappling advantage there as well. I think he has more pass to victory than Ann Hellinger does, and, and Ann Hellinger's too, you know, the contender series in the UFC. Uh, he's been taken down nine times in those two fights and controlled for over 10 minutes. He's not great uh, on the ground or the mat. And I think uh, Alatang can use that if necessary. And if not, I, you know, I think it's going to be close enough on the feet uh, that he can outpoint him. And I, I think there is always the knockout. I mean, Alatang hits hard, dude. Uh, so I just think there's more pass to victory for Alatang and what should be a really close fight. Uh, so I will side with Haile Alatang. I think that's a great bet. I uh, I don't have anything on this fight. I wanted Alatang to be slightly lower. I wanted him to be. What'd you get him at? Minus one forty-two. Yeah. See, that's uh, he's minus one seventy now. If he was minus one fifty, I would be in. Uh, I just and I don't. I don't think that number is going to come back down for for a play for me. But just because of, I do think it is competitive on the feet, and that gives me some pause. Just just about betting a guy. I don't feel like. I don't feel confident in Alatang, but I do think he's going to win this fight. If he was a little lower priced, I'd probably take the shot. But, you know, Godspeed to you. Thank you. Thank you. I I, I do appreciate that. Um, and that's it. Those are the bets. That's, that's what we have for UFC 279. If we missed the fight, uh, that means we have absolutely no action on it. Uh, so there's really no point in us talking about it. So my bets are as followed. We're going to be all over the place with this in terms of order, so follow along. Irene Aldana, money line. 
Haile Altang money line at minus 142. Kevin Holland money line minus 150. Kutalaba Walker under one and a half plus 110. Akeem Dawadu money line minus 190. Almeida Turkalj under one and a half plus 100. Li Jiangli money line minus 240. Hamzat Shamayev KO TKO plus 115. Then I parlayed up. Call you. Shout out to my guy Rodney. Jelton Almeida, Hamzat Shamayev. That pays out at minus 161. Uh, I want to add, I forgot to mention this, I want to add a Jilton Almeida, Hamza Chemayev, both winning inside the distance parlay. Uh, not available Ooh, in any of the books yet. Yeah, really hoping I can get it for like minus 150 or something because that would be real tasty. Parlay, that would be real tasty. Uh, then I did violence parlay. Walker Kutalaba doesn't go the distance. Almeida Turkos doesn't go the distance. Shemayev Diaz doesn't go the distance. That pays at minus 105. And then lastly... A little five-leg action. Call your Almeida, Lee Jiang Li, Norma Dumont, Hamza Shemaev. That pays out at plus 184. Those are my bets for UFC 279. A whole lot of action and a whole lot of chalk. You, both of those are true. I have less action and certainly less chalk. I've got Shemaev Diaz over one and a half. That's minus 150. D-Rod, boy, Daniel Rodriguez, plus 165. I have Rodriguez Holland over two and a half at minus 115. I have Walker Kutalaba over one and a half at plus 120. Huggy Bear, Chris Barnett, plus 330. The Barnett bandwagon all aboard Choo Choo. Uh, I also have the Collier Barnett over two and a half at minus 110 because it's a heavyweight over. And speaking of heavyweight overs, Catch weight, two 20-pound overs. Very narrow scientific window we're targeting here. Over one and a half on that catchweight 220 pound fight of Jailton Almeida and Toon College at plus 140. And then Super Chalk Parlay just taking all of all of Connor's books. Chemaev, Lee, Almeida, Dumont, all tossed into a pot, giving you out a plus 109 soup. And it's gonna be good soup. Just delicious, delicious chalky soup. Good soap. Ain't nothing like a chalk soap. So those are the bets. Those are the plays. That's the action we've got for UFC 279. Uh, I'll be watching it on Saturday night. Jed will be watching Frank Gore, Adrian Peterson, maybe a little BYU Baylor mixed in there. Le'Veon Bell, Adrian Peterson. Who did I say? Frank Gore, who already boxed like a month ago. Sorry, I got my running backs mixed up there. Le'Veon Bell, Adrian Peterson, under the lights. A little BYU Baylor late night action. Uh, Can't say uh, I respect it, but uh, he will be doing that. So UFC 279, that's that. We're back next week. UFC Apex 60? UFC Apex 60 Sandhagen song? Yeah, it's it's a fight card. It's certainly a fight card. You are not wrong about that. We will talk to you then. (laughs) Have a great day. Love you guys.
Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts.